Vox Quick Hits. The current stock market day trading frenzy is an unprecedented event. Or is it? The market has seen a boom in individual investing in recent months. The new crop of traders recently flexed their muscles by piling into stocks like GameStop and AMC and even Silver. They're gathering on Reddit and making trades through Robinhood, leveraging new technology to get in on the Wall Street game. But a lot of what's happening right now isn't really new. Day trading has been around for a long time, including at feverish levels. Robinhood's free trading pitch sounds a lot like E-Trade's cheap trading pitch from the 1990s. Recode's Peter Kafka is here to talk about the current stock market craze, what's different from market mania's past, and what isn't. So we're in the midst of this sort of day trading frenzy right now, but this isn't really new, right? No, I mean, I mean, speculation is very old. Uh, it's, it predates America, right? And we've had big bubbles of speculation in the past. Uh, that's the 1920s stock boom and bust, right? And then specifically day trading as an idea is something that I'm old enough to have witnessed the first time around in the late 90s in the dot-com boom. When all of a sudden trading was something a regular person could do, you didn't have to ask a broker for permission. You could do it uh, by yourself at home on your computer. Um, so how does this compare to, say, what was happening in the 90s? So what's happening now is that day trading is supersized and accelerated by technology and also by circumstances. I did find a stat that showed me that E-Trade opened as many accounts in June of 2020 as all of 2019. So you can sort of see the acceleration year to year. Here's another stat. In 2010, you had 15 million option contracts trading per day. Uh, that number had jumped to 27.5 million. Again, this doesn't really explain the, the gap between now and and the, the dot-com boom. But um, you have companies like Robinhood that have made gamified apps for your phone that make it very easy to invest. They've pushed the price of investing down from $10 a trade to zero. They've been matched by companies like Ameritrade and E-Trade. And then very importantly, you had people with a lot of time on their hands uh, last spring as the coronavirus shutdown began. And then eventually they had stimulus checks to spend. And those two things seem to have really accelerated day trading as well. Yeah, for sure. I remember last year reporting on the Robin Hood people and, you know, people I feel like now are kind of ascribing a lot of politics to what's going on. But generally, everybody I talked to said the same thing. Like, my friend told me to download Robin Hood and I'm bored at home. And hey, my stimulus check was money that I could play with. Yeah. And also Robinhood allows you to easily trade options, like I referenced. And that was something regular people sort of couldn't have done before. Um, And they seem like sort of a cheaper way for people to invest in companies. Um, There's a lot of risk involved, obviously. You can also buy fractional shares of companies. So all of that gives it sort of a gamey feel, has given it a sort of gamey feel to people. And then the market has been up, which makes it seem like it's a game where you're going to win. And that encourages more people to play. And then I'm sure over the last week, the GameStop Mania has brought a, a new influx of investors who weren't doing this and now want to try it. Right. I've had friends ask me about trading who never in their lives have even thought about the stock market. 
Yeah, I mean, we've got a whole bunch of those experiences during the pandemic, right? I mean, you and I use Zoom a lot prior to this, and now everyone uses Zoom, and it turns out to be an easy thing to do, and it's now incorporated in people's lives. And maybe day trading will be the same. My my suspicion is that when day trading becomes less fun and people lose money, that that mania will subside. It seems like an obvious, easy bet to make. But I think there'll be a sort of a new baseline level of people who are doing it. Mm-hmm. So I am sort of curious like how you feel like this compares to the dot-com bubble. I mean, back in, what, 1998, 1999, the line was sort of like, you can trade at home too, and people were making a lot of money as well, right? Yes, they, they were definitely doing it, and there are a lot of parallels. I was just interviewing Henry Blodgett, who at the time was sort of the one of the two most prominent internet stock analysts and became a celebrity, which is not something that happened to stock analysts prior to the, the, the dot-com boom. And he sees the parallels. I mean, I often talk about going to bars in New York in the late 90s and CNBC would be on the TVs there, which is kind of hard for people to wrap their heads around. And, and again, I think CNBC has been doing well for this last year. I mean, a difference here is so much of this activity has spread to social, uh, Reddit and Discord and Twitter and TikTok. So a lot of this is happening where you don't necessarily see it unless you're in it. And again, I think what's happened over the last week has just become a you know international news story, so it's much more obvious. And I think the GameStop mania specifically is so much more intense than the dot-com boom. But the dot-com boom was every day was you would, again, go into the bar, if you were someone like me, and you would be seeing various stocks you've never heard of, and, and they had just IPO'd, and you'd be evaluating their pops, you know, how much the stock had jumped in a day. And that just was a normal thing for people to do. I literally had cab drivers telling me about putting their money in the market. So it was widespread. I think this is much more widespread. But well, that's what I'm going to say. But do we know how it ends up given you know, what we've already sort of started to see happening and kind of history here? Yeah, I'd, I'd go with history. It could always be different. Um, it could always be different this time. But a hallmark of a bubble is people explaining to you why it is different this time. You know, you can ascribe dark motives to this, that people are manipulating it to make it this way. But generally, you can't sort of have a speculative bubble that sustains itself. It needs new investors to come in because it's basically a Ponzi scheme. Once those people stop showing up, the whole thing collapses and ends badly. I really think about this a lot. I hope people have at least, you know, taken enough to cover their investments at, at this point. because I Well, they can't. By definition, they can't be, right? By definition, there are people who bought at 300 and it's now 100 and maybe it'll go back up. Probably won't. And so there have to be losers in the trade. It's just by definition, there have to be people who, who bought at the wrong time. And you would hate for some of those folks where this is a significant amount of money to them to be on the wrong end of that. So who do you think will get blamed once this is over? Uh, it's interesting. I, again, was talking to Henry Blodgett, who did get blamed and was barred from uh, Wall Street after he was done in the late 90s. And, and a lot of folks would argue that Henry Blodgett was doing the same thing everyone was doing on Wall Street, which is promoting stocks that his banks wanted promoted. His theory, I think it's a good one, is that Robinhood, the day trading app that's sort of in the middle of all this, may well get uh, – it'll certainly be sued. Someone will turn around and sue them for making it too easy to trade. I think that the bigger picture with Robinhood is their their clients aren't the people who are trading. The clients are these big uh, Wall Street funds that are paying them for information about how stocks are being bought. Those are the actual Robinhood customers. And that's a practice that you might see fall under real scrutiny uh, over time when it turns out that 
as much money as people were making betting on Robin Hood that the big banks were making even more. And I think that's the kind of thing where you could sort of see an industry-wide reform. Mm-hmm. Sort of a good reminder that the house always wins. Someone is likely winning more than you, and that's okay. Just have fun. Don't bet more than you can lose. Right. Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. See ya. Peter Kafka is a senior correspondent at Recode and the host of Recode Media. You can follow him on Twitter at pkafka.